Uh, we're going to be uh, jumping into our new series out of the book of James this morning, and our director of prayer and connections, Don Wilson, is going to bring the word to us this morning. I'm going to invite Dee up and pray for him. Father God, I thank you uh, for your truth and your word this morning. Lord, having uh, heard already this morning your, your word and the conviction of it, let us be those uh, who don't just hear it and let it bounce off. Father, give us, um, I know there's a defensiveness that can come sometimes. Lord, we, we want to lay that at your feet. Would you hold on to our defensiveness this morning so that we can hear from your word, that your Holy Spirit can work in us, that we might be more and more like Jesus. Uh, this morning as he preaches, Holy Spirit, guide his words. And pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, New Hope. How you guys doing today? So, um, after the first service, I, uh, I, I, I was like, man, like, did the worship team not bring it this morning? And then, and then Pastor Gary came up, you know, and, and he kind of, like, brought the word also. So I was like, man, the worship team already stole, like, half of my sermon, and then Pastor Gary came up and, like, finished it off, so... It was like, I'm going to just come up here and crack a joke and go sit down. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be like the church that I grew up in sometimes. My sister's in the back, and she could definitely attest to this. I'm not lying to you guys. But the church that I grew up in, sometimes you guys ever been in one of those churches where you have church like all day long? It's like, okay, it was light outside when we started, and now it's like dark, like so I was just like, man, I'm, I don't want to be that, you know, person that comes up and speaks. So since, since praise and worship brought it and then Gary came up and took the other half of my sermon, I'll just crack a joke and I'll go sit down. Um, <laughs> amen. <clears throat> but um, God, you know, God gave me something and he, he calmed my nerves down this time because this morning I was like, I was extremely nervous. But, um, you know, God definitely spoke and I asked him to, you know, speak through uh, speak through me again today. So uh, I, I wanted to talk about withstanding temptation. And uh, we'll, we'll go through um, the book of James, uh, chapter 1, um, verses 9 through 18. And about two sermons ago uh, that I preached, which was probably about four months ago, and nobody remembered it, but I came from, uh, I came from the book of James also uh, in a different series that we were preaching, and I started with James 1, uh, through eight. So this is almost kind of a continuation um, of the last time that I actually spoke from this actual passage. I've, I've spoke a few other times since then, but this is just a continuation from there. And so I'm going to read through, uh, I'll read through these verses and then um, I'll give you guys what God gave me to share. And um, I'll let you guys have your day because it looks like it's going to be a beautiful Sunday outside. And uh, I'll let you guys have your Sunday. Uh, so James 9 says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like wildflower. For the sun rises in scorching heat and withers the plants and the blossoms falls uh, at its beauty and, and, and is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Uh, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, uh, nor does he tempt anyone. 
But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after the desire has, has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth uh, to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the words of truth that we might be kind, that we might be a kind of fifth fruit of all he created. So, you know, when I'm thinking about this, and, and I, I wrote this message like Monday or Tuesday, and then I, you know, go over it, and it's like, okay, do I need to add something? Do I need to take something away? And I just ripped the whole message up, and then I rewrote it again. And I was like, man, this always seemed to be a common theme for me. Every time, you know, every time I'm, 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 you know, bringing a word, like I always write something and then I'm not satisfied with it and I tear it up and then I start something else. And um, this book, this, like this passage in James, um, it kind of, even though it's in the New Testament, it kind of has an Old Testament feel to it, Right. James reminds me, at least in this passage, it kind of reminds me of the book of Proverbs. It's kind of like all over the place, uh, touching on a bunch of different things. And so it's a combination of both encouragement as well as, uh, it's a combination of encouragement as well as uh, warning, right? And so when we look at verse 9, um, and then we go over to verse 10 as well, He's talking to his brothers and sisters of a higher status, right? Those that have more wealth and more influence in this world. Uh, it says, the lowly will rejoice when they are lifted up by God, either in this world or the life thereafter. And on the contrary, the higher up shall find comfort in the trials that they may have to endure, right? Because it's much more difficult. And that got me thinking. That got me thinking, uh, we should focus more on the positive things when we're going through trials. Because when we're going through things in life, God is actually teaching us something and he's actually preparing us for something. But a lot of times, what do we do when we're going through trials? We groan, we complain, why me, all of these things, right? And when we get knocked down, the beauty about being knocked down is you get to look up. And I believe if you can look up, you can get up. But when you're looking up, who are you looking to? You're looking to God. You're looking to Jesus. Not the ceiling, y'all. Because like I, I know somebody who's like, oh, well, I see the ceiling. No, not the ceiling, right? Just in life. If you get knocked down, you get to look up. And if you can look up, you can get up. And if you can get up, that means God is not done with you yet. Right? So we got to learn to endure. We got to learn to enjoy uh, Endure what we're going through. I don't want to say enjoy it, but we got to learn when we're going through things. So, so back in my days of, uh, back in my days of, of, of trying to play ball and, um, you know, trying to be this athlete and all of this stuff, I enjoyed running in the rain, right? Like sometimes now it rains and I think about running in the rain. Now, I used to enjoy running in the rain, but now at my advanced age, I just think about running in the rain, right? <laughs> Right? Because when, 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 when I was trying to be the best athlete, and when the goal for me was to get a scholarship, and when the goal for me was to try to go play professional ball, my encouragement came from, this is the motivation. This was the motivation. I see the mark. I'm going to go do it. 
And one of the best parts about running in the rain was it wasn't a whole bunch of people out there, right? So for me, running in the rain was my time to reflect with God. That was the time for God to speak to me. But I also looked at running in the rain as this is God cleansing the earth. So this is God cleansing me also. So I enjoyed it. Now, again, I'm, uh, you know, hey, man, look, it might rain, and I might think about running in the rain now. I'll probably get two or three houses down before I'm, like, bent over and I'm breathing heavy. So instead of going out embarrassing myself at this point, whenever it rains, I use that as a time to get closer with God. I may go lock myself in a room, and I may pray. Or I may sit and have some quiet time and listen to what God has given me. Right? So we've been, con- we've, within, within, in, this, uh, in this passage, we've got a combination of both encouragement as well as warning, right? And so when we look at verse 10 and 11, trials, we see trials, we see problems, and we see difficulties, right? And that comes to serve us. So, so people, they, they talk about, um, you know, we hear about the rich. Rich this, rich that. Pastor Gary just got done preaching a sermon on political statuses and things like that. You know, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, all of that stuff, right? There's a million instances in the Bible where people that had wealth did amazing things with it. There's also instances in the Bible where people that had wealth did bad with it. And then we have poor people that didn't have much, but they did amazing things with what they had, and we had poor people that wanted to gain wealth so, so they may have sinned and erred in their way. That became something that hit me heavy this week, right? Because I teach financial education, and, you know, some of my friends were like, well, Coach D, man, it just seemed like sometimes you're just always talking about money and money and money and this and money is that. And I said, well, I said, I talk about it a lot because the position that I have here in New Hope Financial freedom allows me to do three things. It gives me freedom, it gives me flexibility, and it gives me options, right? And so as the director of prayer and connections, if I'm tied to a nine to five and and one of my brothers or my sisters in Christ is in the hospital, I can't go visit them because by the time I get out, visiting hours are over. So am I really living up to what the title that I have here in this church is? And I'm not saying that it should be about titles because I'm not a title person. But what I'm saying is having a financial freedom allows me to now go out and do the will of God and be there for my brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's why I focus on it. I don't focus on it to say, hey, look what I have. I have more than you. No, that's not it. So, oh, okay. So when we look at verse 11, man, and it talks about the flowers, right? <clears throat> so it says, verse 11 says, uh, let me see here. It says, for the sun rises in a scorching heat and withers the plants. It blossoms and it falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the riches will fade away even while they go about their business. So I, I, buy, my wife, I buy my wife plants. I, I buy plants and stuff all the time, right? And so we think about the springtime and the botanical garden is right up the street on 41. In the springtime, we see some of the prettiest flowers. And I never understood this. My grandma took me to the botanical garden when I was like 10. And so that was like a long time ago. And I thought it was boring, but it was when, it was when the flowers and things started to come in. So now I buy my wife flowers, plants, all the time. Like to the point where, 
my living room now looks like a, a little forest preserve or something because there's so many flowers in there and so many plants. So I had to kind of slow down. But when we talk about, when we're talking about the heat of the plants and how they wither away, when I was writing this, I said, man, this is true. Because my wife actually had the plants outside first. But I think we can all agree, so far this spring, the weather's been kind of unpredictable. It's hot, then it's cold, then it's hot, then it's cold. So whenever it got hot and then it got cold, my wife would take the plants outside, and then when it starts to get cold or it gets too hot, she will pull the plants back in. Well, whenever it got hot or it got cold, my wife would make me take the plants outside, and when it got cold, she would make me drag the plants back in. So that taught me two things. A, she didn't want to kill the plants, but B, and probably more importantly, don't buy her anymore, because that's just more work for you to do. <laughs> right, and so every day she's got me pulling plants out, she's got me pulling plants back in. But I thought about, I thought about what happens in this heat, right? What, what can happen to a flower in heat? It'll, it says it'll fade, it'll wither away. That's the exact same thing that'll happen to a person that's chasing riches and wealth because it then pulls them away from the will of God and things that they're supposed to do. See, money is not the root of all evil, right? When, I, when I'm teaching financial education and, and I'm going and I'm speaking at these events and I'm at these conferences and people say, well, Coach D, man, you're always talking about money. No, money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of it. Money allows you to do some amazing things. So, so in my mind and the way I approach things every day is money's going to allow Don, money's going to allow new hope to, to, to build a hotel where if it's seven, below degree, seven degrees below zero outside, we can just shelter every homeless person in Round Lake, right? Because it's about building the kingdom of God. So, but, but then money can make you do some, money can make you, the love of money can make you do some evil things. When I was in college, I worked, I worked at a department store that shall remain anonymous because we're streaming online and I don't want to get sued. But I worked, at, I worked, at, I worked in the, uh, in the uh, stock area um, at a store. Who remember when GPSs first came out? Global positioning systems. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, the pastor of the church that I was going to when I was in college, he preached a message on global positioning systems. And he said, man, everybody has a GPS now. Everywhere you go, everybody has a GPS. And this one, they first came out. Now they got them on cell phones, so, you know, we don't need the garments and all of those things. And I remember sitting in church, and I was like, man, yeah, he, he's talking about this, you know, this technology and this. All right, cool. Like, it didn't really hit me until we're driving from Tallahassee to Jacksonville to fly home one year for Christmas. We had one, and then I noticed every car that was on I-10 driving from Tallahassee to Jacksonville had a GPS in it. So I was like, oh, man, like this is that new big trend. Well, I knew some guys that was in church with me as well. We worked in the stock area. These GPSs that was like four or $500 at the time, they came in, and this is where the love of money makes you do evil things. These guys decided to go steal a couple GPSs because they can now go sell them and make some money, right? 
instead of being honest, instead of having integrity, instead of being a Christian, instead of in, a, in times when they were tempted to go speak to a supervisor, maybe ask for some additional hours, they try to take the shortcut way around. See, 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 the enemy will put a lot of things in our way to tempt us, but it's, us to, it's up to us to withstand temptation. Right? And so you can ask yourself, verse 13, like, ask, you know, you can ask anybody that's walking with God. You're going to face trials and you're going to face, you're going to face temptations uh, to sin in your life. The biggest difference is God tests us. He tests us to bring out the best in us. Satan tempts us because he wants to throw our sins in our face. But more importantly, he wants us to be obe- disobedient to God. I remember in, in, in college, I'm in Florida State, and, you know, one of my coaches just made me run. Just all the time, just run, 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 run. And I was like, shoot, I'm going to just hang up my cleats now because all I have to do is run. And I'm like, coach, like, why can't I get in there to, you know, go over these plays with everybody else? And he, he said, man, just go run. Just go run. And so I'm like, man, what am I in a doghouse for? I ain't even do anything. And so he gave me an explanation as to why he had me, why he had me running. He said, son, think about this. We, we don't typically recruit players in the Midwest. A lot of our players come from southern states, Georgia, Texas, Florida, South Florida. They come from different states, right? So it's a different kind of heat down here. So in the fourth quarter, the last two minutes of a big game that can determine whether we play for the national championship or not, I need you to be in the best condition that you can be. So I'm pushing you to be the best player that you can be. So he was, he was pushing me to be the best person that I can be. He was testing me. God tests us to be the best Christians that we can be. But the enemy tempts us because he wants us to be disobedient to the will of God. So I was like, okay, I got it. I got it, coach. I understand. I'll go run. I'll shut up. I won't ask questions. Well, maybe like two or three, but don't make me run anymore. So here's my opinion um, on why James has to make this abundantly clear that God... God doesn't tempt us. He he doesn't tempt us. He had to make it abundantly clear because us as a human society, we love to play the blame game. We like to play, man, we blame everything on everybody but ourselves. So aren't we good at blaming everyone but ourselves or is it just me, right? Like if I'm at work and something goes wrong, it was Comcast's fault that the internet shot. Like, I, I blame everything and everybody else. It's not my fault. We love to pass blame. We blame our parents for all the problems that we had growing up as kids, and, and we didn't, we didn't, we're not at the, in the place or the level of life that we wanted to be at. Anybody in here got, kid, got kids? Did, did the kids not blame you for everything? Because I sure as heck know my daughter blamed me for everything the same way I blame my parents for everything. Right? But it was my dad's fault that he was in Chicago when I was in Tallahassee as a, as a Christian and being tempted by 
the, the enemy and the will because I was away from everything that I had known growing in love as it pertains to being, uh, being in, in church and being in Christ. So I was tempted to go to a frat party. And then I was tempted to drink. And upon drinking, I, was t- I overslept class. But, but did I take responsibility of knowing better and not doing better? Absolutely, I did not. I called my dad, and it was his, it was his fault because he didn't call me that morning to wake me up so that I could get to this 745 class. It was his fault, right? Not the fact that I went to a party that I shouldn't have gone to. I drank alcohol that I shouldn't have drank. I got drunk and had a head- headache and a hangover, like all of these things, but it wasn't my fault, it was his, because he didn't call and wake his son up. So, so we blame everything on ourselves. But I know, I, you know look, man, I've been doing this a lot. Like, we, dysfunctional families, everybody, hey, man, well, I didn't, come from the, I didn't come from that perfect family. Well, I'm sorry, I got a newsflash. It's 2021. There's no such thing as a perfect family. It's just not. Some families are just a lot better at hiding and covering up. All right, Oleskevix. <laughs> Some families are just a little bit better at hiding and covering up their problems than others are. Some people wear their hearts and their problems on their sleeves. Others don't want anybody to know their business in fear of being judged. They just don't, right? But if y'all don't believe me, because I know somebody sitting here right now saying, well, Coach D, I don't believe that, you know, I I don't believe that, you know, uh, I I don't believe that, um, you know, temptation doesn't come or that we play the blame game. Here here you go. Like, we blame our jobs. We, We blame, I don't make enough money. We blame it on our jobs. Our kids blame us for all of the problems. Um, but here's a classic one. We blame our spouses. We blame our spouse. Fellas, we, we ever had plans to, to, to go to our friend's house or go out to dinner, and we had reservations for 7 o'clock, and we show up at 745, and what do we say, fellas? My wife made me late because she got to comb her hair. She's got to look a certain way. She's got to do her makeup. She's not happy with the dress that she has on, so she changes 27 times, and now we're 45 minutes late. So we blame our spouses. But if that's not enough to convince you guys that we blame others, I encourage you to go read the book of Genesis. Go back and read the book of Genesis. God created Adam. And then from Adam's rib, God created Eve. But when when, when Eve had Adam eat the fruit and God asked Adam, Adam, Did you eat the fruit? What did he do? He blamed Eve, the woman that you gave me. Instead of taking responsibility for his shortcomings because God told him not to eat that, he passed the book. Now follow me, follow me. So then when he asked Eve, did you eat the fruit? What did she say? The devil made me do it. I think that's where Flip Wilson, you know, got his moniker from. The devil made me do it. So from the beginning of time, we've been disobedient. We haven't taken responsibility for what we did, and we've always passed the buck. This ain't me. It's biblical. 
Y'all can argue with me. Go argue with God. This is biblical. Right? So we say, man, man, the devil made me do it. Adam was probably like, well, God, when he asked, he's probably like, well, God, it was just fine and dandy. It was me, and there was the animals, and there was the trees, and there was the flowers, and we was just living great. And then you, you put me to sleep, and you gave me this woman who then made me sin. You could have just left me in the wilderness with the giraffes and the rhinos and everything else, and I wouldn't have been disobedient. Instead of saying, Father, I sinned. Right? So, so, so Matthew 26 and 41 says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? I believe every, with everything in me that the Bible, I believe, within, I believe everything within me, biblically and personally, that the first step to overcoming temptation is admitting that we're the problem. When I'm in, in school and, and we was in this class and they were teaching they're teaching on uh, Genesis. And a good friend of mine at the time, he came to me and he, he said, D, he said, man, my son, he, he, he went to school this Monday afternoon, Monday morning, he went to school. And then he came home from school and he was just holding his side. And I'm like, buddy, what's wrong with you? He says, oh, dad, my side hurting, my side hurting. Buddy, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what's hurting? He said, I, I, I think God's about to give me a wife. Took y'all a second to catch that. I think God's about to give me a wife. And he said, D, I don't know what to say to that. And I said, Well, the only thing that you I can tell you is at least he's paying attention in Sunday school. <laughs> so, so we get used to blaming, you know, everybody else. We blame our family, we blame our environment, we blame our surroundings, we blame our spouse, we blame God, but we never blame ourselves. Right? James tells us three steps of temptations uh, that takes his course. Every man is enticed when he is drawn away. Every person is enticed when they're drawn away from, from, from uh, what keeps them safe. Right? You ever seen a, a, a big bonfire and then you take one log of wood and you pull it away? It's going to be on fire for a while, but eventually what's going to happen to that log of wood? It's going to get cold and it's going to wither out. Everything, like anytime we're enticed by anything, we get drawn away. So we're in Cabo, we're in Cabo one year, and uh, my father-in-law, like we're in Cabo, and we, we're down at the pier, and we're walking, and this guy had been out, he owns this restaurant, this guy had been out, and um, he caught this huge marlin. And so we're walking out to having dinner and just, you know, out trying to walk the pounds off and everything else. He caught this huge marlin, and he's cutting the marlin up. And my father-in-law goes over to him. They're having a conversation, talking back and forth. They have my wife and them shopping, so I'm just kind of like stuck in the middle because they're talking about fishing. And I'm sorry, fishing is the boringest thing ever to me. So they're talking about fishing. I'm stuck in this conversation because they're talking about fishing, but they're talking about fishing in Spanish. I don't understand Spanish, so I'm stuck because do I sit here and listen to them talk about something that I don't know, or do I go look at my wife, ask me if this bathing suit make me fat? Like, which, like I'm just in a lose-lose situation at this point. So the guys, he, he, he's talking to my dad, and he owns this restaurant, and the, cool, the only thing that I 
remember about that outside of them talking about something fishing that I don't know, understand, or even care about was I remember the sign that said, if you hook it, we'll cook it. And so I was like, oh, man, that's a pretty cool sign. That's pretty clever. So whatever you catch out at sea, they'll cook it depending upon how many days you're, you know, you're still there on vacation. So it's probably best to go fishing the first day, given you catch something big. They can cook this like six or seven different ways. So this man convinced my father-in-law to go fishing. So my father-in-law turns and he looks at me and he was like, well, son, this is a good time for us to go bond. I don't like fishing. It's boring. But whatever, let's go do it. If it's going to make you happy, I'm all for it. So it was the most expensive thing that we did because we had to pay to rent the boat. Then we had to get the license. Then we had to get bait. Then we had to get the pole. Like, we had to get all of this stuff. But the worst part about it was we had to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm on vacation, pops. I'm not trying to get up a minute past 10. So we get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and we, we, we go out, right? We're in this boat, and it's, it's like, guys, I'm telling y'all, man, it's crazy. But it's like 100 boats, and we, 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 we set sail, man. We go out, and we just, we just go, and it's like it's dark, and we just driving, and we just driving, and we just are floating or whatever boats do. But y'all get the picture. We just out there, Right? Anybody ever been somewhere, especially on a boat, maybe a cruise or something like that, when you leave land and you out for a while and you turn around and the land is like getting smaller and smaller and smaller? So, so I got another problem now because we out too far and I can't swim. We out too far and I can't swim and we steady going. So fishing is, is boring to me, but whatever, I'm going to spend some time with my father-in-law. So we out there, and, 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 and we, the, the hopes is to do what? It's, it's to catch a big, like not just a fish, because we want to catch a little fish. You know, they probably got little ponds or something. We want to catch something big, because my father-in-law now has... It's set mentally. Now think about this because I'm going somewhere with this story. But he now has it set mentally in his mind. So it starts where? In the mind. He's got it set mentally in his mind that he saw the gentleman last night cutting the marlin that told him whatever he cooks, he can eat it all week. So my father-in-law's got this mentally set in his mind that he's going to go out and catch this huge marlin, swordfish, whatever. And now he's going to be eating off of what he caught all week. And the boat's just going fast and fast. It's going around in a circle. And this boat's got like a nice GPS system that's telling where the school of fish is and everything else. And so like we, we just, we zooming. We zooming everywhere. And my father-in-law now, he's starting to get angry. He's starting to get angry because my father-in-law is, he's like what I like to call a semi-professional fisher. Like he's not on any of the, of the fishing shows. But he goes fishing every weekend, and he catch fish all the time. So my father-in-law is taking going to the local pond and casting his rod and waiting for a little tug and then wheeling it in. That's the mentality that he's taking to this. And that's not, you, you can't take a little worm like this and think you're going to catch a blue marlin. So my father-in-law now 
starts to talk crazy to the, to the people on the boat. We got another problem here, guys. We too far away from land and I can't swim. Pops, just they know what they're doing. They're professionals. So we out there all day. We out there all day. And this is why I knew it was boring. This, I'm telling you, man, y'all can't argue with me if y'all want to tell me fishing is the most exciting thing. After church, come up here. I'll get some blessed oil and I'll pray for you. <laughs> we on this boat. Now it's probably 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So we've been out there 12 hours, right? We've been out there 12 hours. My father-in-law on the bottom of the boat sleep. He in the bottom of the boat sleep. By the bathroom, they got the bench where they got the tackle. He sleep now. But this was his grand idea to come out. Now get this. We hook something. We hook a blue marlin. Now it's tugging. The, the, you know, they, they slow the boat down. The dudes are like wheeling it. It's tugging. We're trying to pull it in. And the marlin gets off. The marlin gets off. And it swims away. So now I'm down there waking my father-in-law up. He comes up. He don't believe us because he didn't see it. Now, mind you, where are we at? We're far away from land. Here's where I'm going with this story. The enemy entices you with something that looks good to get you far away from the will of God just for you to think that you caught it, for him to slip it right through your hands. And now you disobedient to what God said to do or to not do. So guys, don't get caught up in catching a big marlin. If it's just a bunch of little fish that you just enjoy, man, just go enjoy the fish. Right? Because he gives us three steps of temptation, and that was my father's temp. Like his desire was to catch this big fish. When, 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 when we're enticed to do something, it starts up here mentally first. And then we, we circle off and we go somewhere else, and that then gets us away from the, from the will of God. Now, I'm not trying to say rich or poor people automatically get excluded from going to heaven, because that's not true. They're not automatically included or excluded. The only thing that I'm saying is make sure whatever it is that you're enticed by, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's wealth, whatever it is, just make sure you attach it to the kingdom of God, right? It's relatively wealthy that we see people in the Bible that do some great things, and in this present day and time, we still see people doing great things, like I talked about. Definitely want to have a shelter or something like that where we can, we can house and shell people when it's cold, when it's hot, because we're supposed to be kingdom builders. We're supposed to be building the kingdom of God. Verse 12 says, Blessed are the ones who persevere under trial, because having been stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that is promised to those that love him. And when I read this passage, it, the book of Matthew, the Beatitudes, jumped out to me. The Beatitudes just jumped out to me because it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. That means we're going to get tests. But listen to the Beatitudes in Matthew. Matthew says, blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which are hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. This is my favorite one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, right? So we can't get into, oh, well, my religion or my Christianity is tied to whatever political party it is, or my religion or my Christianity is is tied to how much money I have. No, blessed are the pure in heart. Malachi 3 tells us, well, you, you know, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me in tithes and offering. Ye are cancel the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Not this city, this whole nation. It says, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meek in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Think about your house. You got more windows or more doors in your house? You got more windows. I I want window blessings. My God is big. I want window blessings. But in order to get window blessings, you have to give window gifts. Right? I consider myself to be a great giver, but God gives a million times more than me. He gives a million times more than me. So we got to be careful about things that have us tempted. And remember those beatitudes. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. He says, blessed is the one who endures. Because you're going to be tried. You're going to be tried. Any Christian that has a walk with God is going to be tried. I can promise you that. You're going to be tempted. Notice it didn't say uh, in life you're not going to get tempted or the man who's never tempted or whose temptations come easy to concur. Instead, the blessings are promised to those that endure. So when you're going through something, think about having your mind focused on Jesus and and how God's going to reward you for staying faithful to him. Right? Think about some of the ways we are tempted. This is how easy the enemy tricks us. This is how easy he tries to trick us, right? We all work. You go to happy hour. They got a happy hour at the job. Happy hour is supposed to be a team camaraderie, right? But then you say, I don't want to go to happy hour because I'm going to be tempted to this, and I know that this can lead me down a dark alley. So then what does your supervisor say? Not a team player. Right? Performance evaluation time comes around. Well, Department head happy hour, and Don didn't show up. Not a team player, point deducted. So you go to happy hour out of pressure. You go to happy hour out of guilt. And then you say, well, I'll just, you, now you're there. I'm going to just go, and I'm going to be there for like 15 minutes just to show my face, and then I'm leaving. But then you're there, and what happens? You have one. Oh, man, everybody else is doing it. Come on, you should do it too. Everybody. So you have one. And then you have another one, and then you have another one, and then you leave, and you're like, well, you know, I was able to escape with only having three. But then the next day, the enemy says, well, guess what? Like, like those three didn't really do anything to you, so it's okay to have another one, and then to have another one, and to then have another one. And so now you're falling down this dark cycle, and it all started from going to happy hour and being enticed. So, A, don't go to happy hour. I don't care what the supervisor says, but B, and more importantly, 
be mindful of the tricks that the enemy comes. Pornography. You know, I, I know people right now say, man, I could watch a pornography movie and it won't even bother me. And then two, three, four months later, they watch it to wake up in the morning and they need it to go to sleep at night. We got to be careful with the tricks of the enemy. Right? So think about this. Corinthians 10 and 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful and he will not let you be be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He'll give us a way out. My favorite car growing up was a 1996 uh, SS Impala. My favorite car, man, it was at the time. And as I'm writing this, I was like, well, man, God's giving me something different that that SS actually stood for shoes and socks. (laughs) Because when he says he'll give you a way out, that means when you see the tricks of the enemy coming, you should start running. You should start running. Right? You're gonna like like as you're growing through a Christian, you're gonna have to deal with some things. You're gonna have to deal with some things, right? I talked about temptation uh, a few months back, uh, verses two through twelve, and like I said, we're back here again. You're gonna have to overcome some things in life, right? But I want you guys to understand this as I get ready to wrap this up. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Satan said, turn those stones into bread. So if Jesus was tempted, who are we? But Jesus resisted the devil and he fled. Sinful thoughts, they can't be entertained. Because if we even entertain them, that's going to spark that curiosity of maybe I can do it just this one time. And then he'll make it seem like getting away with it just this one time or mean you'll get away with it again. So if you get away with it, you get away with it just this one time, you'll go back and you'll do it a second time. And then you'll go back and do it a third time. And who would agree that's how a habit is formed? Right? So, so think about this. We can't allow our minds to think sinful thoughts. They must be resisted. They must be rejected. When those, those sinful things come upon you, I challenge you to just pray and call on the name of the Lord. And here's why. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. And you sow a character, you reap a destiny. So where does it start? It starts in the mind. So we got to be careful what we allow the enemy to put into our mind. And most people think, most people think about things before they actually do them. I'm a criminology major, back in college learning different things. Well, what's premeditated murder? What's capital murder? What's, you know, uh, premeditated capital murder? What's second degree murder? Premeditated murder always stuck with me. Because it was the thought process that went into the, the, the crime that was being committed. This person planned out how they were going to take somebody's life. And when they planned it out in their mind, they allowed the evil one to populate and pollute it. So things start manifesting mentally first before they ever appear in a physical form. Right? And James, so in verses 16 through 18, because all we've been talking about all we've been talking about is temptation and overcoming it. 
James 16 through 18, verse 16 through 18, sheds some positive light, right? Because it says, during the dark times of temptation, if we don't fall prey to lust and sin and allow that to distract us from the will of God, God's got some great things in store for us. You'll receive the crown of life. So when you stand in there, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want the Lord to say about me, right? God doesn't change. Everything that's good and perfect comes from him. We change all the time. God does not change. My sister is here. Raise your hand, Ebony. My sister is here. We got to, y'all just go with me, man. Y'all just just go with me. Y'all just go with me. My sister had my nephew. I was like 19. And I didn't know a whole lot about holding babies and all of that stuff. I didn't want to throw up on me. You know, I don't want to change no diapers, like none of that stuff. So my sister was like, take a picture with your nephew. So I, I, I took the picture with my nephew. What color shorts did I have on? Some red shorts. She's supposed to notice. She got the picture on her phone. So I took the picture with my nephew, and it was like, it was like, cheese. See, she's doing it. Like, I'm holding, I'm holding my nephew out here because I don't want the baby to throw up, right? So when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm writing this message, and God says he'll never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I'm looking at this baby picture, uh, this picture of my nephew as a baby, and this was 20 years ago. And I was like, man, a lot has changed because he was like this big 20 years ago. And now he's like this big 20 years later, right? So he grew this way and I grew this way. A lot changed. But God was the same then, he's the same now, and he'll be the same in the future. And he says, if you're faithful, he'll give you blessings. Like it has me thinking about my wife. I used to, you know, hey man, I was in shape. I, you know, I was trying to be a ladies' man. I want to date every girl in the city of Chicago, and I feel out of the will of God, man, and I sin a lot. And the second I gave my life back to God and I, recre- I recommitted and rededicated my life, he gave me the best gift ever. He gave me my wife. So now we're 19 years and counting. And the thing about the greatest, like, like a great gift that came from that, you know, my wife is my best friend. We talk about a lot of things. We go in a lot of places. We share a lot of the same goals, a lot of the same dreams, a lot of the same ambitions. And so and when, when things get difficult, I talk to my, and I'm like, man, like, like man, because I was obedient. God gave you to me. God gave you to me. So God gives us the greatest gifts if we trust him. And, and, and we stay far away from sin and temptation. Now, here's a couple of verses to help you guys. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Now, think about this. What would have happened if when God asked Adam if he ate the fruit, if he'd have just said yes? He'd have forgave him right there on the spot. But he passed the buck. He passed the book. Psalms 51 and 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. All we got to do is ask. He just say, ask, and it'll be given to you. He just says, ask, and it'll be given to you. 
So I want you guys to take a few minutes as I close out this sermon. Take a few minutes. Ask God to show you the things that, he, that, that the enemy entices you with all the time. Don't, 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 try to dis, like, don't try to put them out of your mind. Don't try to negotiate and say, this is, you know, I'm not enticed by this. Ask God to show you the things that the evil one entices you with, the lust and the temptation. But ask God to give you a way out. And then I'm going to pray us out. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, Father. I thank you for grace and mercy. God, I thank you for being a great God. I thank you for for being better to all of us than we ever deserve. Father, I thank you for never leaving us and for never forsaking us. God, I just ask that as you show us the things that the enemy used to tempt us, to get us further and further and further away from your will and from your presence, that you allow us a way to escape, as you said in your word. Father, I ask that you allow us in those moments to, instead of drawing further away, to draw closer and closer and closer to you. Lord, I thank you and I love you for all that you do and for who you are. And it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go and be the people of God and have a great Sunday.